Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the Word of God. My name is Pastor Marquise, and we are a non-denominational church led by the living and active Word of God in the heart of Seattle, Washington, by Pastors Harold and Annis Faye Franklin. Whether this is your first time, second time, be sure to subscribe and share this with those that need it. Now join me and be ready to live and learn from the Word of God. It's always a good thing to have your own Bible, just in case we could have changed the version. Uh, then you can check up on us. How is that? Is that all right? I, you know, back in the old days, you you were supposed to carry your Bible to church, just so you you know follow along, so that you know when they say something, that you can make sure they're saying the right thing. Amen. How many know that people have changed the Bible? There are quite a few versions out there, some good and some are awful. <laughs> but you don't know the good from the bad until you know the you know, know God, because it's his spirit that wrote the Bible, and therefore he has to help us interpret the Bible. Amen. So anyway, let's go to this verse. It says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So we concentrated on the first phrase for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and or the law of the spirit is what we were looking at. And so when we talk about law, we're not talking about the legal system, but we're talking about ways in which the Holy Spirit operates in the lives of people today and in the past. Amen. We talked about initially um, how the Spirit of God is introduced right away at the day of creation. He says, and the Spirit of God hovered over the, the waters or the deep. Amen. You remember reading that part? So God's Spirit is, has always been, and will ever forever be present among us. And his job is to continually draw us to the things of God. Amen? So we left off, I'm, I'm sorry for those that missed, but I don't want to go through the whole message because it was like a two or three week message. I'd have to start all over again. But we left off on the part about where God, what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of the believer. So the, the point we were at, or point D, if you can find it on the, on the uh, outline there, is that the Holy Spirit has been the one who, is, who grafts us into the body of Christ. How many remember your bio biology from way, way back? Remember your biology class? Every one of us had to take biology. I remember in high school we took biology and element, or not elementary, in junior high school. You guys remember that? Dissecting the frogs and some of us dissected, uh, was it a, a mink? something. Anyway, we dissected different animals. And, and also, I remember um, we also grafted a tree. You guys, did you guys do that? And you, what you did was you, you got a plant and you took another plant and you cut it. And I remember we had these little razor blade cuts and we tried to cut it and we tried to cut it so we could fit the other one like a puzzle. And then we wrapped it with something. I, can't, I, must, I think it was adhesive tape or something along those lines probably was. It was probably me. I had adhesive tape because I was probably doing it wrong. 
And then the idea was to see the two become merged eventually. Now, they did not merge right away, but it took time for the one that was grafted into the other one to become one with the other branch. You remember that? I don't know if I can't even remember how it worked. Don't even remember if it worked. But I do remember the grafting process. And now we look around and you see like you see different types of watermelons. How many notice that we got more watermelons than we used to have? I don't remember the seedless watermelons when I was growing up. I wish there were seedless because, you know, we, back then, you know, part of the eating the watermelon was spitting the seeds out. <laughs> but now they call them seedless, but they're not really seedless, but you can eat them, eat the seeds now. And so... And a lot of that is because they grafted or in, inbred seeds to come up with a different type or hybrid of the uh, watermelon. And the same is done with roses. Uh, but, you know, one, one somebody was saying, yeah, they've, they've intermingled and interbred these roses. But one of the things that they've lost from the original rose was the smell of the rose. For some reason, m- people cannot reproduce the scent of the original rose. Now they can make a beautiful rose, they can make it look good, but it just doesn't smell like the roses that, you know, you may have been used to when you were a kid. But the Holy Spirit's job, one of his jobs is to graft us into the body of Christ. And let's look at uh, John chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, and then Romans chapter 8 verse 13 and 16. So let's go to John first. And that's the Gospel of John, just in case some of you, you know, there are like four different books of John. And it says here, it says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Excuse me. And then he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is, was born of spirit is spirit. Let me go on and read the rest of it. Um, let's see. Uh, do not, no, that's not part, the part I want to Everyone, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So here he says, the Unless you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So in other words, you have to have two births. In other words, you got to be born naturally, but then you have to be born of the spirit of God so that now you have enter into the kingdom of God. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is the, is the one that transitions us from the natural birth into the spiritual birth. Amen? And then once we are born of the Spirit, we now are part or are able to participate in the things of the kingdom of God. Did you know that people that are not born again do not understand the things of God? Amen? The Bible says that. That the things of God cannot be carnally understood. They have to be spiritually understood. That's why when the church says this is not something that we should participate in, the world says, why is that the case? How come we can't do that? Who says we can't? 
because we're going off of a spiritual authority and they have rejected the spiritual authority and they're just trying to find out how come we can't do anything we want to do, anytime we want to do it and where we want to do it. Because God has a standard that his people have to follow regardless of what everybody else follows. Amen? So the kingdom of God is not even uh, visible to those that are not, have not been born of the spirit. Amen? So the spirit is he who grafts us in or puts us into the body of Christ so that now we can live and enjoy the presence and the gifts of the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's go to Romans chapter 13, verse 16 through, 13 through 16, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 13 through 16. If you're there, say amen. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body. Excuse me, let me try that again. If you live by the spirit, excuse me, according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Everybody say adoption. By whom the, we cry out, Abba, Father. For the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So here we see that by his spirit, we receive the spirit of adoption. And as we're led by the spirit, what did he say? If we're led by the spirit, we put us the death, the what? The deeds of the flesh. What does that mean? That means that you don't have to be subject to every uh, impulse of your flesh. Now, how many know we all have impulses? We want to do things right away. Go, not, stop, move, go left, go right, go up, go down, everything. We all have impulses. And when we're led by our flesh, or another proper word would be the carnal nature or the unre unreborn nature. How's that? We, yeah, unrepentant nature. That impulse controls us. So when you, you see people, <clears throat> excuse me, and you, unfortunately you see this in the church also, that the church has not, has to learn to grow up enough to where we don't allow the impulses of our flesh. Because just because we become born again does not mean the impulses stop. Now what we have though, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to keep the impulses down. And we don't just go when the flesh says go, we don't even look when the flesh says look. We don't even listen when the flesh says listen. The spirit is the one that tells you whether you should go, whether you should listen, whether you should see, whether you should walk, whether you should talk. This is the purpose of being born again. So here he says the spirit puts to death the deeds of the body. Now what does that mean? Does the spirit actually slay it? No, the spirit actually requires us to subject ourselves to him and not the impulses. Amen? So we're, we're not 
all impulses are not evil, but anything that, is, that leads you that is contrary to the Word of God is sin. Are you with me here? And this is all about why Eve failed. See, it's, if you think about what happened with Eve at the, in the garden, and not just Eve, obviously Adam, they were told not to do something, okay? They were told not to eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And once they did that, they would surely die, right? And then the serpent comes and tries to make it a better thing for them to do. In other words, he comes and says, if you eat this, you'll be like God. That's what the, the serpent tells them to do. But see, and, and, and their impulse is that they want to be like God. Are you with me here? So when you think about what they were told to do, even by the devil, their desire was to be like God. Are you with me here? But the problem was, is they wanted to be like God, not the way God wanted to show them how to be like God. They wanted to be like God, how somebody else was telling them how to be like God, which in turn was not the way to be like God. <laughs> and that's why it was a deception. So in other, in other words, if they had just simply said, you know what, I want to be like God, but I don't want to do what the serpent says, so I'm going to just be like, do what the spirit says, which is don't eat from the tree. And I will be like God because I will be obedient. Amen? But that's not what they do, did, and we know what the story, what happens in the story. So the spirit now, because we have these impulses, puts to death all desires that are contrary to the plan that God has for us to be like him. So the impulses come, so, you know, you, you come and you, you want to do something that you know you shouldn't be doing, and, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about it, you're contemplating on it, you're wondering if it's right, you're wondering if your parents or your spouse or somebody's going to find out about it, your friends, your whatever, and God says, no, don't do that. Stay away from that situation. That's not a healthy situation for you. But... If we don't let, allow the Spirit, and this is where he kills the deeds of the flesh, if we don't allow him to kill that, then we make it alive and then we follow it. Are you with me here? So it's so important that we listen to the leading of the Spirit because he will prevent us from it falling into the snares that the enemy has laid for us. Amen? So, the Holy Spirit is the one that grasps us or puts us or places us in the body of Christ. I love the word of ado adoption. I adopted three sons. Uh, in addition to our, our first child, we had naturally, we adopted three after that. And the idea of adoption is you make them your child as if they were born to you. The, the birth certificates have changed. The, their old names have changed. Everything is new. It's just like in the church. When you're born again, you've been adopted by the family of God. Your name is changed. Did you know that we're going to get a new name in heaven? The Bible talks about Jesus says he has a name that nobody else knows. But we too also were going to receive a new name. And we get a new father. Amen. <laughs> Even though we have a natural father, we didn't become part of God's heavenly family. And he is now our heavenly father. As the scripture says, we're joint heirs with Christ and, and heirs of his promise. So 
We have been adopted and now we can say, and this word Abba is the same word for daddy or papa, as my grandkids call me papa. And, you know, because, you know, couldn't teach them grandpa. That was too hard at the, when they were early. But when they're little, they say papa. And they're still kind of still call me that. And that's kind of a sweet sounding thing. I mean, when you say papa, that has a, yeah, that has a tenderness to it. When you say daddy, daddy. You have your kids, remember your kids when they used to come to, daddy, mama. It's, there's, there's some compassion in the words because they know they're saying, I need you for something. I want you to do something. Of course, it's always, I want you to do something. But it's, it's supposed to be a relational exchange in that. Amen? So we now have, because of the Spirit of God, the ability to have this relational exchange with God that we did not have prior to being born again. Amen? So it's the Spirit of God that grafts us into the family of God. And now, and like I said when we started, when we're grafted in, initially, it doesn't look like it takes. Amen? I mean, you remember when you got first born again and you were still doing, saying things that you shouldn't have been doing and saying at the, at the beginning, amen? But after a while, as we allow the Spirit to continue to change us, we change. The things we think even change, amen? I mean, because I, you know, I think back to, and I've been saved since I was about, what, about just before my 18th birthday, I accepted Christ, and it's amazing, you can, you can think a lot of crazy things prior to being 18, you know. And I, I remember beginning to think about, Lord, I don't want to do things the way that I want to do things. I want to do things the way you want to do things. And I, I caught myself saying that one time. I said, you know, I don't ever remember saying that when I was not saved. <laughs> you, are you with me here? We didn't think about God. We thought about what is good for me. What is going to benefit me in this situation? And if it didn't benefit me, I didn't want to do it. Or if it did benefit me, I wanted to do it. And that was the, that was the decision-making process. What is good for me in this process? And that's self-centeredness. Everybody say self-centered. Sin, really, the worst thing about sin is that it's self-centered. It's about you. It's about what you can do. It's about what you can get. It's about what you can have. It's about everything. And that's why in the church we have to be careful that we don't become self-absorbed even though we're born-again people. We, we can receive all the things and the blessings and the promises, but the blessing and the promises are not the purpose of why we're born-again people. Amen? You know? So we have to learn to accept and be grafted in and allow that grafting to take its toll on our lives so that now we can do what God wants us to do and we can do, say and have and, and be all that he wants us to be. Amen. The next point is God, he, Jesus, or excuse me, the Holy Spirit is the agent of our redemption. And we've kind of went over that because it's through the spirit that we are born again. The Bible clearly says you must be born of the Spirit. That's why Nicodemus scratched his head when Jesus said you must be born again. Amen. Is the Spirit is the agent of redemption, but the Spirit also gives us gifts as he desires according to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. So let's look at 1 Corinthians. We all know the gifts chapter, right? 
Everybody knows 1 Corinthians. Now, again, going back to some traditional views on the Bible, and this is talking about uh, interpretations. So a lot of people believe that the gifts of the Spirit have what? Passed away. Amen? I mean, you, we've, we talk to people every day. Oh, that, that was only for the disciples. That was only for the early church and all that. No, not Chronicles, Corinthians. <laughs> yeah, I got you. So, but how many know God doesn't pass away? Things about God don't pass away. He does, the, the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's one other passage in the, in the Bible that says, I am the Lord your God and I change not. So there's not a, God doesn't have seasons. What God does, now he does, well, let me say this like this. There are seasons in which God does and deals with people in certain ways. In other words, we as Gentiles were excluded uh, as, a, as, a, as a group of people from the commonwealth of Israel, but as an individual, you could actually accept God and become a part of the children of Israel. That's the process of being proselytized or, or converted into Judaism. Amen? Individuals could, and you see throughout the Old Testament, there were so many Gentiles that believed in God after things happened, like Naaman, the leper. Remember Naaman? He says, from this point on, I'm only going to serve the Lord. And he says, well, I forgot I have to go to the sacrifice <laughs> of that pagan. Uh, uh, yeah, but after that, Lord, I'm going to be all yours, right? We know about Ruth. We know about Rahab. It's funny, and I was listening to uh, Matthew, the first chapter. All the, the, the bad women were in the line of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Rahab. Can you believe that? Rahab, who was a prostitute, became part of the lineage of Jesus. And they make specific mention of these women. They're the only women mentioned. Isn't that amazing? So they mention Rahab. They mention Ruth. And they also mention Bathsheba. <laughs> All people. Now, Ruth didn't do anything bad. She was just a Gentile. But... Uh, Rahab, we talked about as a prostitute, and we know what Bathsheba, how Bathsheba became part of the lineage. She committed adultery with David, and David took her husband out, and uh, you know, did what he did. And but she is named in the lineage of Jesus. But it goes to show that God can redeem anything. Doesn't matter who. Doesn't matter why. Doesn't matter when. And use them to be glorified for his work. Amen? I mean, think about that. Rahab had no idea. All she thought she was doing was saving her family. But she had no idea that she would be a part of the messianic plan. Can you, think, can you imagine that? And that, that should share with us or tell us that we are a part of the messianic plan, even though we can't see how we're going to be a part of it. Amen? But if we follow God, be led by him, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, he will exalt us as he said he would exalt us. Amen? Isn't that amazing, though, when you think about his lineage and his, his, the, the genealogies? Anyway, back to the 
spirit. So it says in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried about to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I, have want, I make known to you that no one speaking of by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. Let's keep reading. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but is all, it is the same God who works all in all. But this manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Notice he always says through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, the different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And he goes on to finish. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually. And what's that last word say, or last phrase say? As he wills. That means that everybody has access to these gifts as the Spirit desires to let you use these gifts. Amen? And so it's the Spirit of God that manifests these gifts in our lives. So what does that mean? That means we have to submit to the will and the Spirit of God in order to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, how do we do that? Again, we take the limits off of God. Everybody say, take the limits off of God. What does that mean? That means that when God wants to use you, don't tell him you can't be used by him. <laughs> That's what it means by taking the limits off of him. When God says, Harold, I want you to give so-and-so a word of knowledge, you can't say, I, I can't do that, Lord. I don't know what to say. And he didn't ask me, did you know what to say? All he says, he wants you to give that person a word of knowledge. And you might say, well, how can you give somebody a word of knowledge if you don't know what to say? And the answer is, the Spirit will give you what to say. But you have to believe that he will give you what to say. Amen? Now, I know this is, this is, this is as, as, as I put it, this is grown-up Christianity. Okay? This is not, uh, these are the things that we're supposed to be operating in as we begin to learn who God is. So when God tells you things, you might say, how do you get a word of knowledge? How do you get words of knowledge? How many have ever actually spoken words of knowledge before? Words of knowledge come like this. Sometimes you go to somebody, you may not even know them, but God will just give you one word about them. And he'll just say, his son. And that's all he'll tell you right away. And so now you have to walk by faith come up to me, hey brother, how you doing? How you doing? How's, how's the family doing? And you talk and all of a sudden you say, you know, I, the Spirit of God said something about your and there's some kind of a connection there. He says, yeah. And, and, and then sometimes you, you may ask them about what's, what's going on with your son or God will give you something to follow up with that. 
But that's what it says. But God, he, he, when he gives, gives you a word, he says, your son is going to come out of that situation that he's in. And God is going to use him in a way that he as was supposed to have been used, but got sidetracked. And that's actually a word for you, my brother. God is going to use us in this way if we allow him and take the limits off of him. Amen? When we want to pray for the sick, somebody is sick, somebody needs to be healed. And, you know, this is a big one because, well, you know, I don't have any ability to heal anybody. How many don't have any? I don't have any ability. Everybody should raise their hand because none of us have any ability to heal. Whether we're medical doctors or not, we still don't have the power to heal. Jesus gave us the power, however, to lay hands on the sick so that they could recover. So when God tells you to pray for the healing of somebody, you don't answer the, you don't say to him, I don't know if I can do that, Lord. You mean to tell me you don't have a tongue? <laughs> you mean to tell me you don't speak? Because that's all it takes to pray for somebody, right? That's all it takes. All I have to do is say, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my sister. I, I pray that her body would be healed because your word says, by your stripes, she is healed. And I thank you for your healing in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all you have to do. The job, your job is finished. Now the rest is the, up to the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens. A lot of people want to do God's work which means they want to make sure that the person gets healed. And, okay, what else do you, are you, okay, I pray, but uh, what else can we do? No, just allow God to take over from there. Are you, are you getting something out of this? But first, it starts with stepping out in faith when you hear the word to do what he says to do. And as we step out in faith, God will begin to use us in a miraculous way, supernatural way. And guess what? He gets all the credit because we already just said none of us have the ability to do any of these things. Amen? We don't understand how God gives us words about people we don't even know. Amen? How many have had... Uh, and I think all of us have had this experience. You, you walk into a room and all, right away... You, you just start to feel funny. Something's not right here. I, I feel uh, something's not right here. And sometimes God tells you to get out of there. But that's what's called the gift of the discerning of spirits. Amen? You're, be, you're, you're trying to figure out, or not figure out, you're, he's given you an indication that something spiritually may be out of line here. A lot of times if you walk into a, a room where people have just argued, have you ever walked, have you ever walked in those rooms and noticed how, how the atmosphere is like, ooh, it's chilly in here, you know? It's like something's just going on here. What y'all been yelling about? You know, they just stopped yelling right before you walked in the door. Because there is a spirit when it comes, if people get angry, there is a spirit that comes with anger. Matter of fact, if you go back to the first murder, it was all about Cain being mad at Abel. So anger has, that carries with it a spirit to do evil. And if we're, if, but see the thing about us, what we can do, and I say us, I'm talking about in the body, we can take authority over that spirit. We can command that spirit. We don't have to say it out loud. We can just say it in the river. I speak peace into this place right now in Jesus' name. 
And Father, I thank you that we have the ability to chase away anger, wrath, uh, all the things that the enemy comes to bring against us. But all if we submit ourselves to the spirit of the living God. This is how we begin to learn who God by his spirit is. And this is something that sometimes the church doesn't spend enough time trying to find out what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. How is he trying to lead us? Where is he taking us? Sometimes we don't always see the picture. And a lot of us are like this. I'm not getting up until I get a map. <laughs> and if you don't tell me what the coordinates are, I'm not going. All right? That's how a lot of us are. How are we going to do this, Lord? As a matter of fact, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of examples in the Bible about people like that. We have the, the, uh, John the Baptist's dad. What was his name? Zacharias, right? Or was it Zacharias? Yeah. He didn't believe it was going to happen, that he was going to have a son. I'm an old man. She's an old woman. How's this going to happen? Now, see, it seems like he and... and uh, Mary said the same words, but there must have been something there that we didn't get to see from the words because the angel right away picks it up and says, you know what? Because you didn't believe, I'm going to, you can't talk until this happens. <laughs> and Mary says the same words. How is this going to be seeing I don't know a man? But he doesn't, she doesn't get the same response. He tells her. So there's obviously, there must have been an attitude with Zacharias saying, I don't know what this guy talking about, man. I'm 75 years old. I ain't having no kid. You know, it could we don't know. But the point is, some people can see it and get it. Some people just do what God says and just respond. Others going to say, Lord, no, I'm sorry. I'm, um. Yeah, I want to be obedient, Lord, uh, hey, hey, but I want to know where we're going. <laughs> show me, show me the way, because I'm not just getting up and going. Abraham, God just told him to get up and go, and he'll show you as you go. <laughs> and he actually, the children of Israel, they didn't know they were going into the wilderness. They, matter of fact, the, they say that the journey actually only should have taken about two weeks to get to the promised land. They went the long way. <laughs> well, of course, they went the long way a few times. They just kind of ran in circles. But because you have to respond, God is all he wants you to do is respond first to him and trust him. Respond in trust and then he will reveal the rest. Because a lot of times people want the whole picture and he doesn't give the whole picture. He only gives pieces of the picture so that you can, by faith, because this is, we walk by what? And not by? All right. That means that he's not going to show you everything so you can say, oh, okay. So if I just go this way, take 10 steps this way. Okay. And then, oh, okay. Turn left three steps. One, two, three. Okay. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> All he says is, um, just like when he called me to this ministry, first of all, I, I didn't want to do it. All right? I just have to be honest. I, don't wanna, I didn't want to be a pastor. Uh, still don't, I've, I've settled it that I am a pastor, but I didn't want to be a pastor because I said, well, Lord, I, 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 I love you. 
I, I'll do what you say do, but I really don't need to be a pastor. That's not, I wasn't one of the things I had checked off. I want to be uh, married, I want kids, and I want to be a No, I wasn't on the list. <laughs> it was not on the list. But I said, I will do what you want me to do, even though I may not want to do it. When my old pastors used to say, Lord, I want to, but help me to want to want to. <laughs> That's what we need, the, the want to want to's. Because many times we, we want to do what God tells us to do, but then when we look at the task, we don't want to do it, even though we want to do it. <laughs> Have you been there before? You want to do it, but Lord, give me the want to want to's. Amen? But anyway, let me move on. I, I, I spent too much time on that. But the Spirit of God teaches us how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. This is so, it's so important in the church that we get back to allowing God to operate in the supernatural realm. <clears throat> and we call it the supernatural realm is because it doesn't need the assistance of the natural person. That's why it's supernatural. It goes beyond the natural in other words, you can, you can drink water and heal, get he healthy in your body. Amen? Some things, if you drink enough water, it can cleanse your, cleanse whatever, you know how water is. It can do a lot of things. If you eat right, you can get certain diseases fixed. But there's some things that these things will not fix. Amen? And then the doctors give you stuff, and it's not anything. The doctors and, and, and healing should not be in conflict. Amen? They should understand where their limitations are, and they will tell you when they've reached them, right, brother? When they tell you, there's nothing we can do for you. <laughs> they, they've reached their limit. But God has never said that. God doesn't say, there's nothing I can do for you, brother. You, you just, you know, two more weeks and you'll be with me. That may be the case, but God doesn't say, there's nothing I can do for you. He always says, is there anything too hard for God? Amen. So we have to be willing to surrender even when the report, and this is why the scripture says, whose report will you believe? We, and there's now a song, we shall believe the report of the Lord. Will we continue to believe the report of the Lord when the circumstances don't show us God coming through? Amen. I mean, when you get a foreclosure notice and they say you got 90 days and you're on day 889, whose report will you believe? <laughs> and most folks have given up the report. They're on their way to do whatever it is they can do to save their house. And I have been there. Amen. I have been there. Okay, so I'm not throwing... Any, anything on anybody else. We got a foreclosure notice. We were on day 80. This is a few years ago, thank God. 80 something. And we, I, I had the money coming. You know how that is, you know. It's always coming, but it wasn't going to come in time. So I had to figure out if we wanted to keep the house or if we just wanted to let it go. And we had decided to keep the house, so we had to do some things to slow the process down to allow the money to get there. But I still had to trust God to get the money here because the money wasn't there. Now, the money did not come as soon as I thought it was going to come. The money actually didn't come for another two months. But we were able to keep the house. 
So what I'm saying is we have to still hold on when hope doesn't, there's no hope left to hold on to. And so if we allow God to, by his spirit, continue to keep us encouraged, to continue to remind us of his word, continue to to strengthen us by his word, we will come through what it is that we are going through. Amen? Think about all the things we've come through in our lives. I mean, just think about it. The things that we thought were so impossible to get through. Oh, man, those things we were like, we couldn't sleep, we couldn't eat, we always thought about them, and guess what? Ain't nowhere to be found today. That's, why, why is that the case? Because God changes the way you think about things when you see he can do things on your behalf. Now, when I'm faced with a financial situation, I just say, Lord, I put my trust in you. I don't know how it's going to come. I don't, I don't, I don't even have a, a calendar to show me that I'm going to get some money. But I trust that you're going to provide. I don't know how it's coming, but I know that you are a provider. You see what the, the difference is? I don't know how it's coming, but you're the provider. And you can open a door that I don't even know where it is. See, what happened, this is what people do, okay? We say God is a provider, and we have a job. <laughs> and we get a regular check. And I'm not, I'm not pushing that. I thank God for jobs. But what happens when you're laid off? Is God still the provider? Because a lot of folks say, well, man, God has left me. God has abandoned me. Why? Because I don't have a job. But he's still a provider. <laughs> Just because you have, don't have that, that job, he's still a provider. And there are other jobs out there if that's what you want. But it doesn't even take a job. God can just do things aside from a job. So now, and let, let me, and, and please understand this. this is not a, a put down on jobs or anything. But you have to look past your job to see that God is still the provider of the job or any situation that you might have to face what, once you're in a circumstance where you need something. I remember when I worked on a job, Many times the job money is not enough to take care of what you need to take care of. I mean, that's, I, I found out that folks don't want to pay you what you need to make to make a living. <laughs> so, so you have to have the job plus God. <laughs> but we put so much in the job or in our abilities to make money or in our talents, or in our skills. And this, let me just share this, and then we'll move on. This is a lot of reason why people who get older and retire feel that their life has no meaning because they've lost what they've done all their life. And their identity has been in their jobs, or their business, or their skill, or their talent, and they're no longer able to do those things. And you can take that in any area. You look at the football players, or basketball players, guys who are so in such great shape from, what, 18 to 30, some of them are playing now to 40 years old. And, and they say football players' life expectancy is less than 55. Now, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> a person who is in such tip-top shape at 25 and is dead in 30 years? 
because they can't see that their life continues past the game. And I know that they've, you know, the knee's been broken down, but look at Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers had to quit. Those of you who may not remember Gail Sayers, I know, Pastor, you remember Gail Sayers. He had to quit because his knees got bad, but Gail Sayers is now more successful today than he's ever been. And most people don't even know what Gail Sayers does, but he has businesses all over the place. And that's because his, his because, and I think part of it was the fact that his career was shortened. He had to come up with a better plan because at 20, I think he was at 27, he was done. 27, he was finished playing football, and that's usually the way it is anyway. I mean, you're going to play 20 to 30-year-old window, and your whole life is over after that? Come on now. you got to be better than that. Because, and if you keep your eyes on the Spirit, He will take you into a dimension that you never expected because He will move you into realms that you never saw or thought you'd ever get to. Amen? Amen. I'm going to say one more thing and then we'll, we'll close down for the day. Is this good? The Spirit is, of course, the one who inspires and inspired the writing and the, and the understanding of the Scriptures. We know 2 Timothy 3.16, right? Everybody knows that. That's most of us have been, that's been our memory verse from back in the day, right? Let's see if we can get 3.16 here. Yep, all scripture. Everybody's starting it out. All scripture is, is given by God, inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And add 17, that the man of God, or that you can look at man as the generic man, not the, just the, the natural man, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. The original Greek word says all scripture, and in some of the translations they actually translate it, is God breathed. In other words, it comes from the spirit. Now, the spirit of God is many times the, the word pneuma is just the word wind. And it's God breathing, and that's why a lot of people when they think of the Holy Spirit, they don't think of him as a person. They think of him as an it. And therefore, they can't relate to it because they don't, have a, they don't realize that he's a person. Amen? But the Spirit of God breathed or helped the people to write the Scriptures so that we could... Uh, be profited from the doctrine of the scripture that we could be reproved corrected and instructed in righteousness the bible tells us what righteousness is and that's what gives people problems they don't like the fact that the bible defines righteousness they want to define it themselves but you cannot you cannot leave to fallen people the definition of what is right and what is wrong because fallen people will change the definition to fit themselves. Amen? I mean, if I'm the guy that makes all the rules, and then you, well, you saw this, you guys remember all the, the kings of the old, old, the old days back in, now I'm not talking, well, you can go way back, but I'm just talking about the member, the, the middle age history. I mean, think of Henry VIII. He didn't like this wife because she wouldn't give him a son. So he wanted to divorce her. And the church at that time, the Catholic church, would not, does not allow divorce. 
for no, any reason. You had to have committed adultery. Well, he didn't want them telling him how he could run his kingdom. So guess what? He started his own church. <laughs> and he became the Church of England, and he was the actual head of the Church of England. Now, come on now. This is a guy who wants to divorce his wife because she's not giving me a son, and he starts his, he's the head of now of the head of the church, and then he ends up killing like three or four of his wives. I mean, that's not a good church head that you want to be following. Amen? I mean, or let's, let's just start killing spouses. In the, in the, I don't like that wife. Get rid of her. I don't like that husband. Get rid of him. I mean, but that's what people do when they're put in charge. <clears throat> but when you're, you have to answer to the scriptures, which says, don't put your wife away or your spouse away unless for an adultery, or, an, or abandonment, that's one of the other reasons that you can leave, your spouse has left you, so you know, you're not married, technically. Um, without that direction, we do what we want to do. And look what's happened to families because we decided to change the divorce laws. You know, there was a time where even in the regular life, you could not get married or divorced unless there was an adulterous allegation against somebody. I mean, you watch these old movies. They, you know, they, I'm the, I'm the correspondent. They name a co-respondent, which is the party that committed the adultery with the other party. That ain't necessary now. All you have to do is say, we don't get along anymore. I didn't like the way he looked, and he didn't like the way I looked that day. And so we walked down to the court, filed a divorce proceeding. Ninety days later, divorce granted. And now look what we have, broken homes. Nobody can figure out who's their parents. And because if we don't allow the spirit to bring correction, to bring reproof, to give us or instruct us in righteousness as the scriptures are set forth to do, we just do anything. We are subject to do anything. And so we have to remember in the church especially that the Spirit of God is the one that sets the order of the church, not the people. And we have to submit to his authority or we will be direct, or excuse me, corrected by the Holy Spirit in some way or another. I'm not talking about you're going to fall out dead. That's not the point. But we're going to have to be corrected in our methods if we don't submit to the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what church is all about. It's about instruction. It's about correction. It's about direction. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm getting the high sign, so I got to close. So anyway, so I hope, I hope we're seeing what this is all about. What I'm trying to do is get us to understand the directing of the Spirit. And like I said, I'll tie this all into being at New Creation Christian Center and what we're going to do. But I want to first lay out what God has put all of us to do, which is to be led by His Spirit. There's so many passages in the Bible talking about that. We'll get to more next time. Amen. Let's stand. If you need prayer, we, wanna, we don't want to leave without offering uh, the opportunity to pray for anybody. So if anybody needs prayer, I don't care what the, the need is. And I don't mean that in a callous way. No matter how impossible it looks.
We appreciate you listening to today's message. If you would like to hear this message and others in its entirety, visit our website, newcreationwa.org. We have services on Saturday nights, and we would love for you to come out and join us at the Emerald City Bible Fellowship Building located at 7728 Rainer Avenue South, Seattle, Washington, 98118. For questions or comments, call us at 425-686-8197. You can be made new in Christ. God bless.